I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Ausbiz on this federal budget aftermath and great to have your company here on the call. Um, We look at 10 stocks that you suggest over the course of one hour. We put it to two experts, and have we got two experts today? Uh, Andrew Page from Strawban is with us. Andrew, how are you, sir? Good Michael to be here. Wayne from Medallion Financial. Michael, good to have you aboard again. Good to be here. Uh, I usually pick a stock of the day. I'm not going to have a stock of the day. Well, the stock will be the budget and the impact it will have on any particular stocks. Um, Michael, when you look at the budget, are there any sectors that you're thinking oh, they could get a boost? Or? Yeah, well, I think we saw a big pickup in the proposed infrastructure spending. I think it was sort of about 10 billion before today, and it's now yeah. above 100 billion. So you'd expect the construction companies, uh, you know, Adelaide Brydens of this world, the Borals potentially to do quite well. Right. Simix, uh, that's another sort of area that should do quite well, Transurban even. Um, and then I think broadly speaking, looking globally, you'll get a lot of infrastructure spending, and that should, in theory, at least benefit the materials companies, the miners, etc. So, look, I've never made an investment decision based purely on the budget. Yeah. Uh, often a lot of this is already anticipated and priced in. And if you look at the, the share prices of Adelaide, Brighton and Borrell, they've been in very strong recovery modes. Everyone's been anticipating global infrastructure spending, so the miners have been doing quite well off the back of that. Yeah. So they're the areas you would expect to benefit, but will each company benefit the most? Uh, they possibly can, who knows? Some will benefit more than others. Yeah. So it's just got to be one factor in an overall investment decision. I don't think it can be the sole driver. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andrew, what about you? Yeah, I I agree with that. I've never made an investment decision based on a budget. A budget's not going to turn a crappy company into a good company or vice versa. Um, I mean, the budget there is is a, it's it's a government tool to incentivize the activity that you want and to disincentivize the other. And so so it certainly sort of provides headwinds and, and tailwinds. But generally speaking, you know, it's it's not, and as Michael rightly said, a lot of this stuff gets, the market's always forward looking. So a lot yeah. of this stuff gets factored in. So when you look back at previous sort of budgets, you do see little bumps in that in the days and weeks afterwards, but I've yet to see any sustained impact. Um, and don't forget, there's a new budget done mm-hmm. every year yeah. as well. And yeah, as a yeah. long-term investor, I kind of, I think it is interesting. It's certainly worth paying attention to what your particular companies, how they're going to be impacted. But I really couldn't see anything that was that, that changed in any material way. You'd hope, for me. You'd hope retailers might get a bit of a kick out of it with tax cuts and uh, this really focus on on keeping people in a job. But you balance that up. You know, we come out with a budget all guns blazing, and and I've got to say it's un-Australian to acknowledge anything we do well in this country. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to be any ca- in any country in the world to get through this global recession, you'd want to be here. And it was evidenced by the budget last night. And then this morning, Donald Trump goes, oh, no, we're going to ditch negotiations yeah. on the economic stimulus until after the election. <laughs> mm. You go, you fool. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know? right. That's putting it's it lightly. A, how, yeah. do, how do you politicise economic stimulus to get out of a recession? Particularly, as you touched upon before the show, when the interest bill's actually fallen yeah. relative to, to last year. Yeah. And it just shows that the budget repair that was done in the last decade or so, most of the last decade, is now come to benefit yeah. the economy and that we've shape. got some pretty good ammo up our sleeve if we want to even stimulate further. Yeah, what I was mentioning to the guys a bit earlier, you go through the budget papers, that even though our government debt has sort of doubled, tripled, and it's getting close to a trillion dollars in three years' time, and everyone, ah! Mm-hmm. Um, you look at the interest bill on the debt, say compared with the last 12 months, and in three years' time, the interest bill will be lower on the government debt than it was last year. So yes. it's going to be three times bigger because the federal government is borrowing at 1% or less and locking it in for 10, 20 and 30 years. 
And, and debt's not necessarily a four-letter word here. I mean, debt yeah. can be a wonderful... If you're oh. getting a cost of capital like that and you can get any meaningful return out of that, I mean, yeah. there's a wonderful opportunity yeah. um, to, and to the, really and nation build. Kind of, yeah, that kind and of a return for the government is keeping you in a job mm -hmm. to pay tax. Yep. So you're a pretty good investment. Right? Yep. So this budget is all about us and bosses investing. Yes. Uh, simple yep. as that. Yep. Make us confident. All right, let's get into your um, 10 stocks and uh, let's kick it off with a, a company, I don't know, that might benefit from this. Uh, Michael Darren wants a view on Mervat Group, big uh, property developer. That's it. Uh, across all sort of segments, isn't it? It's huge. Yeah, look, it's diversified across your, your retail, um, your commercial sort of office blocks and that sort of stuff. And now more so these days into the industrial space, which is your big yeah. factories or your distribution centres that Goodman Group has done so well in doing. But Mervac, look, it's a it's a business that's been around for a long time. Uh, it's got a pretty good track record um, of developing property um, and delivering some okay returns to shareholders. But it's not the most exciting business in the world. I mean, recently they've obviously seen um, some some impacts in the residential market where they've obviously sold some decent volumes but at lower prices than they would have liked. Yep. Um, they've seen some struggles, particularly in the retail space. Um, obviously, retailers doing it very tough through COVID. That's flowed through and hurt Mervac to some degree. Um, the commercial property market had been going gangbusters in recent years. Rents have been going through the roof, but not, you'd have to expect that going forward now there will be some retracement uh, and, and some reversion to sort of longer term averages there. So that would hurt the business, we think, medium to longer term. So we're not that confident in the outlook of this company. There's just too many moving parts right. at the moment. Um, they do have high occupancy rates. They do have a decent whale, which is sort of the, the average length of their, their lease book. So they're not always bad for this company. Um, you, if you are sort of looking for a counter cyclical play, potentially Mervac is one thing you can look at to get some exposure to the the property space, but again, at this point in time, it's just very difficult to work out mm. how they're going to work their way through this. Okay, Andrew. Yeah, it's it's just not that attractive for me. If you, if you look over the last seven years, I had a look on one of their slide decks. They, they're sort of talking about a net operating income growth of about four percent per annum over that period. Mm. Sadly, that's been negated by uh, increase in the number of shares. So on a per share basis, earnings have gone nowhere. Um, in in, um, in fact, for roughly ten years or so, um, more or less. Um, these guys got hammered in the GFC with, with too much debt, as a lot of these, these guys do. They've sort of yeah. restructured their balance sheets in much better shape uh, and stuff now. But look, you're getting, getting a 4% odd yield from that. If they can manage to sort of grow that dividend 3 4% per annum over time, you know, you, you can thumb suck something at sort of a high single digit kind of return. If that's good enough for you, uh, then then you could go yeah. for it. it. It's just not for me. It, it's just it, you you want personally. I want I want a, a real strong bias on the best of the best. And this isn't a highly profitable company. It's a company that's very cyclical in nature. You look at all the sectors they're exposed to. You know, residential, retail, offices. I mean, they're all going to be hit by mm. by what's going on yeah. uh, at the moment. And you look at that five year. Did nothing. Had a bit of a pickup in um, nineteen and then fill off the cliff in, in 20 in March there. Mm. But it just seems to bubble along a bit, does it? But they've got a big pipeline of developments in front right. of them. So the, the, the idea is, is like once these all come on stream, that'll help our income. But again, you know, what, what are these going to be sold at? Are they going to be delivered on time and on budget? I mean, this is, this is, this is any um, student of history who looks at the, this yeah. sector will see that things don't always map out the way they're expected to in, when, when these projects are first initiated. Yeah. And when, when they do go right, yes, they can be nice and profitable. When they go wrong, they can, they can really hurt. And okay. it, it can, yeah, All right. not for me. Okay, um, Andrew, Will, I reckon this is right in your wheelhouse. Will wants a view on Vection Technologies. Now, they're a, um, a tech group. Um, they built a software company. They use 3D virtual reality, augmented reality in sort of industrial CAD systems. Um, and they've just not done a deal, but uh, Facebook has allowed them to uh, join their independent software vendors program, um, which is a bit of a feather in their cap, isn't it? 
I think so. I yeah. did see that. Um, I, my first thought was, I wonder if this, you know, Facebook has opened the program up to anyone with a with a yeah. pol- which they, they tend to do is sort of say, hey, listen, we've got this. We'd love you to be a part of their program. Uh, they win either way, you know. Yeah. So it's not it's not as though this is only ten companies in the world can get into this program. I dare say yep. there's thousands of them. But yes, it, mm. it's certainly good. Um, yes, you're right. I do like I do like software. Yep. I, I do like I do like fast growing uh, revenue. And um, rev- guess where on that chart the Facebook announcement came? Oh, yes. <laughs> Received really well. Um, and look, sales have been growing really strongly. Uh, you look at the percentage growth, and it's insane. However, that is often extremely low base. So they went from right. five hundred thousand in sales a few years ago to about three million or so right. today. Okay. So there's a long way uh, way to go there. Shares are on about 48 times sales. Oh. Uh, again, that's up there. But look, I, I, you can grow very fast off a low base, so maybe that is maybe that is is, is reasonable. Um, uh, large addressable market, good sales traction, close to this break-even inflection point. Raised some money recently, so some cash on on the books yeah. there, which is all, all really good stuff. But but when you get past all the the fancy SaaS sexy language and all that kind of stuff, I think it's really important to actually understand what these guys do. And I'm not in a position to say, to say it. When I, when I had a look at their, at their slides, they said through a combination of 3D virtual reality, yeah. augmented reality, we collaborate and create value. So, so what does that mean? I, I, I can get it only because I have a son-in-law who's a quantity surveyor. Yeah. They use these CAD things um, for building buildings and engineers for bridges and yeah. infrastructure. And instead of just being drawings on a, on a bit of paper flat, it comes into a 3D, you look around, it's Very a virtual cool. reality. Yeah. Very cool. So, so I, don't, I don't want to say, oh, that, no, it's, it's terrible. It's a huge industry, but it's a very competitive industry. What you need to do as an investor is certainly be enthused by some of the metrics that we're seeing, but understand the, the range of products that they have. What are, who are they up against? What are the addressable markets uh, for this? And what gives you confidence they're actually going to win yeah. in any material way? Maybe they will. Uh, it's just it's just hard to know that with having a, a very quick look this morning. Yeah. So I, I would say it, it, it's also at a point now where a lot of growth is is factored in. So it's not just good enough to say at this point, oh, they're going to go really strongly. And it's like, well, yeah, yeah. the market's expecting yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you, you need to be super confident it's going to be that and then a little bit more. Right. Okay. Yeah, look, interesting business. Um, you know, 3D, augmented reality, all that stuff's very exciting. It's just how they're going to apply that to, to the real world. Because um, you can use it from, from the construction industry to, mm. to marketing and sales. Imagine work, walking into a showroom and then being giving a, a 3D uh, master put on about your, your house or whatever product you're purchasing. It's really got all different uses potentially uh, across many different industries. But at this point, it's difficult to see which industry they'll be most aligned to, where most of the revenue will come from, and where most of their growth will come from. They're anticipated to continue to grow at a very rapid rate. Um, I think the expectation is for a 50% jump in their recurring revenue in FY22. So if they deliver those numbers, then that's great growth and that will eventually justify the price. But it's very early stage. Their balance sheet is, it's basically an immature company in its very early infancy. So the balance sheet doesn't really show you much. Um, You just got to sort of hope that management deliver as they say over time and then eventually uh, the metrics and the numbers will come through that justify the price but at the moment it's a a, a risky proposition and there is a lot of competition out there and my advice to anyone considering investing in something like this is work out who the major competitors are globally uh, how much bigger are those competitors um, and will this company have a chance against those businesses long term okay all right hundred percent so an early stage uh, tech business, um, Felicity, got a few tech stocks uh, to look at today. Uh, Felicity wants a view, Michael, on Bravura. Um, they're in a um, um, software-based company for, uh, for wealth management and funds administration. So that they, with all, um, for financial planners or super funds, they do the back-end administration and put together uh, and a fairly established group, isn't it? Yeah, it's a business that's growing, but compared to a lot of wealth management platforms, this one's actually not as mature. So they've got a bit more right. growth in them. Their margins continue to expand. And I think that's probably an attractive feature. They've got very high gross margins, very high net profit margins. It doesn't trade on that lofty a PE for a lot of tech businesses out there, um, which makes it something worth considering, in my view, mm. given the depressed prices that we're yeah. seeing uh, at the moment. Because if you look at all those 
key software as a service type metrics that people like to look at, things like customer churn is very, very low. The average contract length that they enter into is normally you know, five to 10 years in, in time frame. So it's not a business that I, I've ever invested in. Um, it's one that I had watched with interest over a number of years as it got a lot of attention and started to do very, very well. So the recent pullbacks, um, I think, is a good opportunity to consider what appears to be a very good quality uh, um, business doing a lot of things right on their balance sheet. Okay. So not a buy for me just yet, but definitely one on my radar. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree with you again. Definitely on my radar. I put some stuff on Strawman just last night on this. Uh, the, 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 the metrics are all really nice. It's always lovely to see that staircase chart. Yeah. you know, where sales are just steadily increasing, you know, like yeah. that perfect staircase. And they have done really well. Sales have close to doubled over the last five years. But because of this lovely software business characteristics, it's unlocked a bit of operating leverage there too. So you've actually seen uh, operating profit double in the last three years, um, which is really great. Now, a bit of a fall there because in the most recent year, that, that pace of growth has slowed uh, a little bit. I don't think that's, uh, COVID sort of impacted sales cycles and this kind of thing. I don't think there's anything structural, uh, wrong with, structurally wrong with this. In fact, there's a good regulatory tailwind for a lot for all of their customers sort of to up their game here. So I think it's mm. very attractive. Michael's right to point out very, very high margins, very, very high retention. The balance sheet, there's $100 million in cash here, wow. zero debt. So it's know, in good shape financially. Really good shape like, financially, yeah. really. So, and, and, and it's a P of 21. Now, in the current market, wow. yeah. when you've got similar technology company, well, technology companies boasting similar kind of metrics trading at 50 and 80 times, it yeah. just seems really cheap. Because there, there, there are a few in this sector, aren't there? Yes, there are. Um, yes. Who, who have you got in there? Uh, 24, uh, NetWealth. Yeah, uh, class, I think. Class, class. Yeah, class. We looked at um, that the other day. Um, yeah. I think that's going to come up again today. So, it, yeah. so, it, so it's it's definitely it's definitely not a market they have altered themselves, but that traction there seems to be really good. And as Michael mm. rightly points out, once they've got a customer, they've got them for a decade yeah. or so. Yeah. yeah. So, so good sales, well run, lots of cash in the profitable. bank, on a lower multiple than any of its competitors, and a three percent yield while you wait. Mm. Okay. I like it. It's a buy for me. I'll dig it. Put it on my watch as well for that little super fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Debbie wants a... There you go, Felicity. Thanks for suggesting Bravura. It's a, a good time to actually uh, look at it. Uh, Debbie, um, uh, Andrew wants a view on Med Advisor. Now, this is a, an, uh, an app that um, sort of trains patients on how to take their medication, isn't it? And links up with your prescriptions and your pharmacy. Links up with your pharmacy, you can, you can um, get your prescriptions filled, you mm. can order new prescriptions. Yeah. And they've done really well in Australia, they've got 60% of the market now. Yeah. Three of the big four chains uh, are clients of theirs, the Chemist oh. Warehouse and Sigma um, are their clients. They've done very, very, very well. Because apparently it's a big issue, isn't it? Um, actually patients buggering up their... Yes. Their medication is it, and so this is to to try and stop you doing that. It is really a full featured uh, product. Yeah, it does all really of good. all of that kind of, and it's free to the consumer as well. It's yeah. the pharmacy that that pays MedAdvisor uh, here as well. They've grown um, really well recently. Just in FY twenty, uh, revenue was up another sixteen percent. Two thirds of that was was recurring uh, in nature. The profitability has taken a hit, and they've 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 increased their cost because they're going overseas. So they're, uh, they're trying to re now. Is that, is that the right thing to do? Well, I think so, because you're going to run out of growth opportunities here pretty quickly. But as we also know, um, it's extraordinarily difficult mm. to, to do that. I think they're going about it in a smart way with, with partnerships rather than doing it directly themselves. Um, so shares on nine times sales, again, it's, it's nine times sales. sales. Right, yeah, not earnings, yeah right. they don't have earnings at right. this point in time. So it, it's, it's kind of... It's one of these companies that I think is very, very interesting, yeah. but unfortunately you have to really pay up for it at, at this point in time. So it's, it's, a, it's a hold for me, um, right. but I'd like to buy it at a lower price. Okay, Michael? Uh, it's one of those companies where the, the macro thematics make a lot of sense, aging population, I think there's government incentives as well in this mm. space. Um, so although they have an app which is used for uh, medication adherence amongst customers, they've also got a delivery service that they've recently launched uh, where the government will contribute you know, $5 to every delivery. And, and through COVID, that's seen a, a big pickup. Um, and you can imagine that long-term, there'll be a lot of tailwinds for that. I think one of the big issues is that the older generations often don't necessarily have the tech 
savviness um, in order to to use something like this, but that comes with education and, and awareness. And over time, I think that will continue to build. It, it's a great business with a, a great um, uh, a great story to tell. It's just I want to see some evidence that it's starting to pay off and deliver some profits. And at right. this stage, I don't think it's at that point. Right. But definitely one that makes a lot of sense across so many levels. It just at this point isn't a profitable business. Right, okay. Or, or, or not looking like being profitable anytime soon. You want to start to see them deliver and make the most of these thematics that are out there. Right, it's had a pretty good 2020 though, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, I'm not sure charts. what caused that, that jump up. Um, yeah, probably that, a link with Chemist Warehouse or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I can't address or it Or it could have been a government initiative as well when they went into this delivery uh, space. That, that's um, right, the telehealth That's and right, yeah, like that. that's what yeah. I think it was. Yeah, so yeah. it's done incredibly well if you want to start to see that now cycle through and, right. and actually become a positive I mean, you've got to imagine yeah. the whole industry is going to modernize it something it has yeah. to go digital yeah. i mean think about how you get your prescriptions like i mean it's just it Uber for your prescriptions. you know <laughs> um so it will happen it's definitely going to happen it's just the question of whether metadvisor yeah. are going to be the, the winners okay all right uh danielle um michael wants a view on eight common again another software business tech business, um, but it's really focused on legal, registry, company secretary, governance, finance, insurance, all the boring stuff of admin <laughs> administering a company um, for uh, professionals in that area. So um, uh, they have two, Expense 8 and Perform 8 are their two platforms. Yeah, so like Expense 8 I think is more of an expense control platform where right. professionals can lower their expenses on travel, et cetera, um, and improve productivity and use of those funds. And then their other product is basically like a, an internal survey mechanism where you can survey your staff or your, or your customers. That's my, my understanding of it. I must admit this is a business I'd never, never ever come across before. So I just read about it very briefly before we came on air. So I probably can't give you too much value when it comes to this one, but it does seem like an interesting business. Obviously, customers and, and businesses around the country are looking to get their costs down. That's always the sort mm. of main aim of management these days, particularly in a, a recessionary environment. So there probably is some merit to this company. But again, I don't think it ticks a lot of the boxes when it comes to the maturity of the company and the profitability of the company. So it's one maybe to keep an eye on. But at this point, I, I can't get too excited yeah. about it. And, and also, yeah. I suppose there are a lot of software platforms that the MYOBs, the zeros, are all sort yeah. of morphing into that full package, is that? That's right. Keep your expenses and track and invoicing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, th th these guys are very much focused on that sort of enterprise level and of that really government. So that's right. three quarters of their revenue. They've been around for a while, but they've had a bit of a troubled history. Right. So the, um, the, the business is very much right-sizing itself, really focusing on its, its more key areas. They've had a, um, a new product. So Expense 8, I think, is, is, is doing really well. It's a really nice little business. It's not going to be hyper growth, but they've got Card Hero. There's a partnership they got into with, um, gone blank now, ELS, EMS. Um, help me out, Michael. EML. EML, thank you. Brain snap. Um, uh, and I think there's a real blue sky potential there with, with oh. that as well. So okay. um, it's, it's ranked well on Strawman. Some of our, our sort of higher profile members have, have backed it recently, which always makes me um, pay attention. Um, they just had their quarterly 4C released this right. morning. Oh, okay. Um, so I haven't had a chance to properly digest that, but it looks like quarterly revenue was up about 5% or so. Mm. Um, and the market is probably hoping for a little bit more. But I think it's a little bit of a turnaround play. It's business that's now been right-sized. It's got some nice um, some products and um, a very reliable source of revenue, too, from government uh, contracts as well. Very right. long-lived, very reliable yep. as well. So it is interesting. Um, I think it's got a bit more upside. I don't think it's got a huge upside at, at mm. this stage. But I, 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 it's going to be a buy for me. Okay. I'm back, right. back the straw man for me. All right. Backing his community, we'll talk about that community in a tick. Let's uh, just recap the first five stocks that we've got through at the moment. Um, Mervac, uh, a no from uh, both Andrew and Michael. Vection Technology, a no as well. Bravura, um, it's now on the watch list of my, both Andrew and Michael to do a bit more digging. Um, good company, good returns, strong, strong balance sheet, but it's it's priced well below other competitors in, in the market. That's what's attracted their attention. Uh, MedAdvisor, a hold from Andrew, a no from Michael. 
and uh, eight common a no from Michael and a yes from Andrew. So they're our first five stocks. And of course, uh, here on the uh, on Ausbiz, we've been um, talking about the, the straw man um, investment game mm-hmm. that you've launched. Tell us a bit about it. Well, in partnership with Ausbiz yes. and, yep. and Think Markets it. as well. So we're um, we're trying to uncover best private investor in Australia, <laughs> and it's worth it's worth having a crack because you yep. could win ten thousand yep. uh, dollars. It's free to register, and we give you a hundred thousand dollars in play money. Buy and sell any ASX listed share. Right. There's a few rules around that, of course, to make it all all very fair. Uh, if you're an existing strongman member and you've got uh, a portfolio in place, you can you can keep that as well. And we'll just track the performance over the competition right. period. Right. And so, yeah, it's a fantasy football for shares. You know, yeah. I, I think yeah. it's, there's a couple yeah. of things. One, you're going to get a bit of experience in stock picking and portfolio management. Two, a bit of standing on the shoulders of giants for some some really great pickers out there. We'll hopefully give you um, some good ideas, and it all just it all just adds more content, more depth to the analysis, yep. and and we're really excited about it. So you've got less than two weeks to register. So oh, okay. Strawman.com/classic. Yep. Free to join. Yeah. Get into it, and it's a great way, I think, of testing yourself yeah. uh, in the market using fantasy money rather than your own money to to learn how to how to invest and trade. You know, I'm. Uh, my family has a super coach competition in, in the AFL, and it's a bit like doing super coach but investing. Yep. And, and, uh, and, you, and you would know full well that the main reason fun. for it is bragging rights. Uh, exactly right. And, and so you that's compete a, against others, you compete against your family exactly. or your friends. Do you get to see what other stocks people are Absolutely, holding? what stocks, what yeah. positions, what trades, what yep. individual returns, yep. it's all there. And you can even, people can pop up their valuations, their investment thesis, and yeah. I so think it's terrific. So you've got two weeks to, uh, to register. Two weeks, and then so we kick off on October 19 is the first day of the competition. Right. And I should know this. Uh, December 11 is when it runs. It's only an eight-week trading period. Right. Yep. yep. wanted to get it out before Christmas. But yep. the plan is hopefully we'll do more of well, these in the we'll future. Do, we'll do another one next yeah. year as well. So uh, I think it just fits in both with what Strawman does and what we do here at Ausbiz as well, and particularly the call. Now, if you want to um, look at some suggestions, maybe for your, uh, for your portfolio, the call has its own portfolio of shares where um, the two experts on any particular day, if they give it a unanimous thumbs up, uh, it goes into our, our portfolio. So uh, let's check how it's been performing. We've been going since the 1st of July. In the last week, it's up just over a percent. Uh, for the month, 2.5%. And since the 1st of July, almost 12%. So. Uh, and if we look at some of the stocks that have been recently added to it by our experts, uh, ProMedicus, ResMed, AUB, Betmakers Technology, uh, Simic Group um, have all made it. Uh, Altium and Elders were taken out because of it's in the calls portfolio and the two experts, when it comes up again, don't give it a unanimous thumbs out, it then goes out again. So uh, you can check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Um, and uh, to join our afternoon economist panel, um, we ask uh, uh, Suglin Ong from RBC and Shane Oliver uh, from AMP Capital for their 2020 budget reactions. That's from 1 p.m. straight after the call today. So all during the day, full analysis of the budget and what's in store for, uh, for markets and also business over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, let's get back into your stocks that you've asked us to have a look at. And after a run of um, software companies and, and tech platforms, something a bit more traditional now, Michael, uh, AGL Energy, uh, of course, uh, uh, the giant energy brand generation and um, retailing of electricity and gas across the board. What do you think of AGL? Yeah, look, it's been around for forever, basically. It was one of the first companies listed on the ASX way back before the ASX even. Um, it's a company that's a, a very dominant player in its market. Um, it's come back a long way in, in recent times and it's starting to look probably a lot more attractive for a lot of people. Uh, the fact is it trades on a, a PE of, of around 10 times earnings. It, it trades on a fairly attractive dividend yield at these levels. So it'll probably get some support at these prices. But from my perspective, it's not the most exciting business in the world. It's hard to have a competitive advantage. God, that's in a this horrible market. chart, isn't it? 
That, that's right. Um, Pan out further if you really want to yeah. be disappointed. Yeah. No, it's below its March lows. There you go. Yeah, so it's a record low over five years. I'm not sure why it ever got up to those lofty levels. Potentially had the yield trade at the time. Everyone yeah. was just searching for yeah. yield as interest rates came down. But it's very difficult in this market to have a competitive advantage. I suppose the one competitive advantage AGL do have is that they do have the lowest cost coal-fired power in the country, but that's a, a very dirty word. These days, they do invest a lot in renewables, um, which is to their credit, I suppose, from a long-term perspective. But the government is keen to stop the increases that we've been seeing in energy prices. And you can only expect that in this environment, that pressure from government and, and state levels will continue on this company and will really constrain the amount that they can charge for power. Yeah. Um, the fact is that when you know the energy price and natural gas prices are very low, that means that margins get constrained as well. So. It's a business that is, look, it's a, a good quality utility that's not very indebted considering it, it's a good quality utility, but I just don't expect too much growth to come from this business. And you make a really good point. When politicians spruit, we're going to bring your power costs down, yeah. they muscle the AGLs right. and regulate them to make sure they do come down, basically. That's don't right. They? So they're at the hands of regulators. That's right. And that's what I suppose you get when you're a duopoly. You've yeah. got to listen to the governments, otherwise they'll... <laughs> who knows, break you up and, and increase the competition yeah. even further, which is what you don't want. Yeah. I, I was exactly going to make the same point. I mean, it, it is it's very, very highly regulated, massively capital intensive. It's an industry that's undergoing a phenomenal structural shift and, yeah. and no one really knows how that's going to play out, what timeframes that's going to play out on. They had a shocker of a year. The profit was down 22%. There was outage at... Um, the name of the station now, Lo Yang, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo Yang. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, brain's not working no today. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, and, and they're guiding for another 25% fall in net profit this year as well. Yeah. So it's just that there is there's what you call a bit of a value trap. And I think that this could fall into that category mm. where the yield is super high, the PE is really low. It's like, wow, it looks super cheap, but it's probably cheap for a reason. Yeah. And yeah. for a company that's as highly, very large company, all the analysts cover it, you know. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know that it's sort of it, it, not that you want to pay too much attention to analysts, but it, it sort of to me says that, that there's probably a very good reason for it right. to be that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, just looking at that five years, how do you? It's almost begs a question with companies like that. How do you turn it around? Oh, it's so hard. You know, it's if so how do you attract any investors into it? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, a big hole. Yeah. It's just that I suppose people consider it to be safe because the demand will always be there for their services, oh, but yeah. Yeah. something's only a safe compared to the value that you pay for yes. it. So yeah. if you overpay, then you can wipe out half your capital very quickly if you get yeah. the timing there, aspect wrong. Uh, 100%. There's so many companies we call blue chip because yeah. they're the biggest ones, yeah. but man, there are some stinkers in that list. Yeah. You know, There are companies that are less than $100 million in market cap, which are 50 times better than these businesses. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, people consider them super yeah. safe. And will AGL be around in 10, 20 years? Yeah. Probably almost certainly. Yeah. Will investors do well over that period? They might go okay. But yeah. again, you've got to be fussy here. Yeah, exactly. Pass. All right. Uh, Morgan, uh, Andrew wants a view on McPherson's. Now, was it you that coined them the third draw stock? <laughs> the, no. Every, every, some, someone um, uh, coined it that every, everything that's in the third drawer of the kitchen gets made by them. So it's everything from baking powder, clean wrap, aluminium foil, even in your bathroom. They do facial wipes and cotton pads and foot comfort products. I thought it was yeah. just a great description. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. No, I wish I could claim that yeah. one, but it wasn't, it wasn't me. Um, yeah, and beauty products too. And a big yep. China angle on this. Uh, yep. Dr. Lewin's is, is their sort of... Um, premier brand, brand that they're really trying to push here and, and stuff and and look the results that came out recently were, were, were quite exciting underlying um, pre-tax profit was at 23 million it's 33 percent growth on, on wow. the prior period there so for a company on a PE of 32 that is okay um, but and I think last time we, we this came up on the show I made the same comments it's it's, it's an it's a very very competitive space and particularly beauty products and these kinds of things it can be a very fickle consumer China is China is such a great opportunity and yet such a massive risk at the same time. Yeah. And we, we could spend all day talking about examples that have happened here where people say, you know, it's the old thing, if only, you know, 
1% of China buys our product will make squillions. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, yeah. yes. The addressable market. When anyone yeah. talks about yeah, the addressable market, I go, whoa, don't yeah. give me that. Yeah. 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 The addressable market for straw man is yeah. 7 billion people. Yeah. <laughs> whether whether they, they sign up is another thing. So. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, for me, I, I, I think credit where it's, it's due, they've, they've had to restructure their portfolio, mm. they're trying yeah. to turn things, which again points to the difficulty in this space. They've had some things that did really well for a while and that sort of waxes and wanes, waxes and wanes. So yeah. for, for someone who likes sort of a, a lot of visibility in, in earnings, it, it's, a, it's a little bit, uns, right. you know, so for me, it's a pass. Okay. Yeah, um, look, for me, it's the same. It's a pass. They've got a lot of different brands, a lot of different products. I think they released sort of something over 50 new products last financial year alone. It might have even been 80. It just, oh. um, it, it's crazy how I think much. they said 200 they yeah. were looking to wow. do the coming year. So it's hard to sort of administer all of that. That's what I, I see anyway. And a lot of them are very low margin products as well. They've done a, a good job in recent years of getting rid of some of their um, unprofitable or, or unfavorable contracts. And it's actually reduced their revenue by a lot, but then seen margins pick up significantly. So I think they've done a fair bit of restructuring and it's been to their benefit, but they are primarily reliant on this one Lewin's, um, Lewin's um, product that they've got, yeah. which has been doing extremely well in China. The overseas growth rates are something like 250%. The domestic growth rates in that product are around 50%. So that product's going gangbusters for them. The question is though, will that be replicated again going forward? Some of their products did really well recently due to COVID. Um, things like going to the supermarket, stocking up on aluminium foil, for instance, or even things like manicure, which is like your, the nail clippers that you buy. Yeah. All that sort of stuff did quite well through COVID and got a bit of a, a one-off boost. Uh, will that continue? That remains to be seen. So I just feel as though for a company that's so reliant on one product, um, if that starts to wane and, and the enthusiasm starts to, to drift, then this company will probably struggle as a result. Right, okay. All right, so, but as you say, just when you look into it, it makes everything. Yeah. It? It's huge. Yeah. They just keep putting products out. All right, um, our next stop for uh, a look at is Temple and Webster, the, uh, the big online homewares business that didn't list that long ago, Michael, did it? But yeah. uh, COVID has been a dream for them. It's been an unbelievable saviour for them. This list has had a very wild ride in a very short history. Um, it sort of tanked pretty much uh, immediately after it listed. Um, in recent times, it's seen a big jump up in revenue. Um, it's seen an enormous increase in cash flow, and that is thanks to COVID. But also, I think you have to give credit to management for putting them in a position to capture the benefits of this period. Um, the big question, again, is whether or not these growth rates and whether this success will be sustained going forward. So from my perspective, I think the, the best of, of the run has been baked into the price. And you probably right. want to wait now and see if it can maintain uh, the success that it's been having. I'm not sure if that chart really is Temple and Webster. I think it listed more recently than that. It must have been a backdoor listing right. at one oh, point. Okay. Right. But um, it's, had a, it's had an incredible run um, and incredible numbers. So it's hard yeah. to be jumping in now. Ideally, you want to be getting in Know, before that sort of run-up happens. Mm. Yeah, uh, again, I'm going to agree with Michael there. Um, it's P's of 100 at this yeah, really. point in time. P's so 100. 100. <laughs> for a retailer. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, well, now one that's going very fast, yeah. um, but there, there's been, you know, a lot of a lot of, um, a lot of people forced online over this period. Yeah. So again, I don't know if that, that, that rate is necessarily sustainable. But I, I've got very few bad things to say about the business. Yeah. Absolutely quality business. They've executed um, uh, extremely well. I love this drop shipping model that they do. So when you order something on the website, it's not like it's in their warehouse waiting to be shipped to you. It comes straight yeah. from the manufacturer. It bypasses you altogether. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're just really this middleman that sort of connects the, the consumer with the manufacturer, which is a much which more attractive Nick model. Nick Scarley does yeah. a bit of that too, does yeah. that? Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's, it's a really super great model. They're unlocking a lot of growth, um, you know, strong balance sheet, every tick, 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 except for the price. And so for me, it's a pass. <laughs> so how does it compare to other retailers who have done, done well online? Um, I suppose Kogan is the, so de sells different stuff. Yeah. But, you know, is that on a similar model to uh, well, multiple? To I think Nick Scarley is probably the closest like for like. Right. And they've had a very good period as mm. well. And, but I think Nick Scarley's probably got the runs on the board over a longer time yes. frame. And I'm not even sure if they trade on those same lofty multiples. I think oh. people are baking in a bit of a turnaround story here mm. and maybe 
baking it in excessively so. So that's my, my fear with it. But yeah, they're an online business pretty much at these days um, and yeah. not too many showrooms, certainly not too many storage facilities. So they're able to cut costs there and, and boost up margins as a result. But I think ultimately if the housing market can hold up and the construction industry can do well, then they should be able to continue some positivity. But even still, there's a very high hurdle rate there given the valuation and the price. Yeah. Uh, worth remembering too, very discretionary items as well. So, yeah. you know, we, we just saw, uh, well, we've seen all year how tough things are, how big a recession that we have, bigger since World War II. Yeah. You know, uh, net migration has fallen off a cliff, so population growth is going to be nothing. So it's, it's, it's you know, where is all the demand going to come from? Mm. Yes, we've had a lot sort of pulled forward there, but, um, yeah. It's something to consider. It's something to consider. It's people people can live without a new couch if times get tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, people have had uh, JobKeeper to be on. Yep. Um, they've raided their super. Yes. Um, and spent it on couches and things yeah. like that. Can that continue? Mm -hmm. uh, having said that, uh, ARB reported, Wow. I think, um, this yeah, morning as crazy. well, reportedly, um, which is the... If, if you if you want to pimp your four-wheel drive and go camping and stuff like that, <laughs> ARB's got everything from rhubarb. I've got a mate who works there. Uh, from rhubarbs to, to pull out fridges out of the boot, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Going gangbusters because people can't travel overseas, so they're pimping their four-wheel drive and going camping. Not to go too far down the, the hole on, on ARB, though. It's not just lately they've been doing well. They have been doing oh, well. Yeah. They are really, really under-the-radar business. The Brown Brothers, is it, who, who yes, run it? They've just yeah. done an incredible job, a real Australian success story. Yeah. You'll see ARB bumper bars in, in the Middle East. You know, yeah. you'll, you'll see them in, yeah, in yeah. Brazil. They are everywhere, yeah. and they are considered the Rolls-Royce of these accessories. Yeah. So. And it is the family yes. who, who still run it, in a good way, like yep. a private business. Yep. You know, they, they're, they're tough on expenses and long-term thinkers. I think yep. I, I forget. I haven't looked for a while, but they pay themselves really modestly. Yeah, really mod. They get their returns through the through their investment yep. in the business, not and, not through just like yep. bilking it for a huge salary. Yeah. And they get their key executives on that same plan yes. as well. Yep. Um, all right, uh, our next uh, stock has been suggested by Claire and. Andrew, you mentioned it a, a bit earlier. Um, this is another software solution for um, self-managed super fund administrators um, in Australia. So yep. similar to sort of be in that same segment as Bravura. Yeah, it's, it's not too different. Um, uh, financial planning um, yep. outfits will, will have it, accountants will have it. I actually had shares in them a while ago, ah. um, but they hit a bit of a, a rough patch. Um, but it looks like they've got a new management team in here. They're trying to turn things around. The recent result was was pretty uh, encouraging, I thought. Um, what did you get there? You got operating revenue up 15%. The recurring component of revenue was up 22%. Very high margin, very high retention. There's a new product with Now Infinity, which is more of a document management mm. business. So they've really, they've really worked hard to expand their, their addressable market. Now, again, whether they capture that or not is another thing, but they... They, they do look as though they have turned a little bit of a corner. Um, uh, and you're, you're getting it for about a P of 30 and a yield of almost 2.5%. So right. um, it, it, it's not bad. It, does, it, okay. look, it looks interesting. I, I'd like to perhaps see a little bit more water under the bridge just to really make sure that they have right. turned that corner. But um, definitely one to watch. Okay. Yeah. So a watch on the list, Michael? Yeah, um, look, it's interesting business because a lot of accountants use their services to administer the self-managed super funds. So there's a, a huge addressable market that continues to, to grow. Um, however, although revenue and, and earnings have been growing quite well, there's been a decline in margins, a decline in return on equity. Um, their debt levels also picked up over that period. So they, and Andrew's right, they've been going through a bit of a, a tough spot. The suggestion is that they are now turning the corner after that period, but you want to sort of see the evidence of that before you, you look to invest. But it's one of these platform products. The economics of these things make a lot of sense. The more customers you get, your margins should really start sure. to explode over time because you don't really, you really have, don't have cost. Do that's you? right. Your costs aren't, you haven't got the big factories and plants to maintain. So it's an attractive business model that appeals to a lot of people and appeals to me. But this business, for whatever reason, went through a bit of a lull uh, and you want to make sure that they get out of that before you start to invest in it. Okay. I'd rather miss out on the first 10, 20% of that turnaround if I can get proof that that turnaround's happening. Okay, that's really good advice. Um, and our final stock to look at, Orbital Corporation. Now, all of the 
the older generation, my generation, I've been thinking, Orbital, was it that Ralph Sarich and his sort of flash U engine? Well, yes it is, mm. but it's now very different. Uh, really didn't take off in the car industry. Um, so now it's in uh, drones and unmanned aerial yeah. vehicles, would you believe, with the technology and, um, and they're, they're apparently cracking some contracts in the United States as well. Boeing uh, has a long-term contract with them and one of the military contractors, Textron, in the US um, has done a deal with them as well. So it's, it's still engine-based, but instead of cars, it's these unmanned aerial vehicles and drones. It's, yeah. I was fascinated with this because Ralph Sarage, he was almost Australian of the Year when he came up with his really? orbital yeah. engine. I didn't realise that connection. Yeah, yeah. 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 right. But um, look, this is a... <laughs> so you, now you're making me feel <laughs> really <laughs> old. Really old, both of them. Yeah. Well, look at them. Who are you talking about? I was, it went over my head. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> but anyway, look, this business has done a lot recently because of all this excitement surrounding defence spending. Mm. I think the defence minister might have even attended one of their factories mm. somewhere. And on the day that she attended the, the factory, the share price jumped up off the back of that. So this is a very good quality product um, that has a lot of usages and will only continue to see those usages increase. And they've also got some contracts, I think, or at least a memorandum of understanding with the, the Singapore Air Force, I think it is, mm. it is as well. Okay. Um, if there is going to be a lot of defence spending, you would think that they'll be a beneficiary of that. Uh, and the contract sizes are picking up, the number of contracts are picking up, but it is very, very lumpy. And contract accounting can be a little bit confusing sometimes, where it looks like you've got all this revenue coming into the business, but then you look at the cash flow statement and nothing's actually turned up yet. Right. So, so it could be in two years' time. Two, two years' right. time. If, if that, is that contract yeah. that guaranteed? Now, is it a memorandum of understanding? So unless you can really get to the, the nitty gritty of each of the contracts or the majority of the contracts, it's really hard to tell. And you'll see if you look at the balance sheet that revenue last year had a real big jump up, but they had negative cash flow. So you want to start to see those contracts actually start to ah. match up with the earnings okay. and, and the income coming So through. they take the revenue in because they, they've issued the invoice, even though it might be on two year payment. That's it. So yeah. they're issuing that they're accounting for the revenue, um, but there's no cash flow right. coming through. So you'll get this sort of misrepresentation of the situation, the true situation. Yeah, that's something it's not, to watch it's not, out for. It's not their fault. It's just no. the way that it's done with contract accounting, particularly with defence contracts, which tend to be long term, yeah. and they're based on certain conditions being met and, and certain mm. timelines being met. It can, it can sometimes not turn out to be the rivers of gold that it appears to okay. be. That's mm. it. Oh, that's, uh, that's an excellent point, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the sales growth has been good. I think it's another 32% or so they're looking for this year. The engine technology is really compelling. I mean, mm. they, they, they claim that it can, these engines can run a lot longer before they need servicing. It goes from a cold um, start to, to operational in a much, much shorter time. And military vehicles, obviously, th those kinds of characteristics are very, very important yep. as well. Um, I imagine too, I, I need to look more into the, to the, the exact manufacturing that they have, but there's real scale advantages here too that you tend to have as you ramp up. And you making yeah. one engine a year, it's very, very expensive. But if you can set up all of these plants and start getting a bit of throughput, the economics start to get a lot more attractive. So I'd be interested to sort of see where they are on, on, on that trajectory as well. I think they made a very, very slight maiden profit uh, in this year, which, which is encouraging. But as Michael pointed out, profit mm. is is uh, one thing cash flow is another so um it's 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 a no for me right now um yeah. only because it, it just needs a lot more due diligence okay all right let's just recap uh, our final five stocks agl are no mcpherson's are no from both the guys templar webster just too expensive at the moment it's had a massive run up um class limited uh, both of them are actually really watching this one closely to see if they can deliver on some of their, their forecasts, but, but a good platform and a good business and a no for Orbital. Um, all right, the straw man competition, the uh, fantasy investing. Michael, if you had one stock you'd put in there, what would it be? Give Ooh. us a suggestion. Uh, one stock that I'd put in there would probably be zero just to make it a bit zero. exciting Ooh. they got their report coming up uh in november right so you might get a bit of bang for your buck if okay. it delivers a very good result you'll get that in before the, the deadline in the middle of december whenever okay. the, the competition now closes. that's shrewd thank you <laughs> zero the big accounting platform software platform 
Andrew, what would you I'm going to go something a lot stop. smaller cap. Um, in the virus suite, if you see my straw man portfolio, it's the number one pick I have at the moment. Some real nail-biting nail biting, uh, situation. What is it? Uh, Enviros suite, EVS. They do, yeah. they do environmental monitoring or the right. software component oh, of yeah. that. Um, it's an interesting company. Oh, um, yeah. But they, they, uh, there was a bit of a question mark over one of the directors there for a while. Shares fell away. They've sort of since reassured the market. But I just think it's got. I think it's got a lot of upside potential. Yep. We do. It's still higher risk, but yep. I, I, I'm attracted by it. I've been it, a shareholder since about eight cents. It, it actually came up in the call. Oh yeah. Two or three weeks ago. Do people good, hate it? No, it got no. a good rap. Huh. Um, but they wanted to watch it to see if they sorted out that that, that yes, issue. Yes. Well, you know, job. nothing's nothing's guaranteed, but it, they they did manage to placate the market with right. a, with an announcement recently. And plus, they just had they came out and said, look, the first week of the second quarter, we've had a huge amount of sales mm. come in as well, which is okay. really one of them from an airport, which you would think is is probably not spending at the, at this point in time, well, not new spending. So. Mm. I, I think I think okay. what is, it's what is interesting here. You, this is a longer answer than what you wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that there, there is there is a there is a very big structural shift in how environmental monitoring is doing. It's this Internet of Things. So someone is going to win this space, right. and I think they're very well placed to Great. do that. But we'll, right. we'll see. Okay, get involved in the uh, the straw man competition um, in conjunction with us here at Ausbiz and the call. It is a lot of fun. Andrew Page and Michael Wayne, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Good to see thank you. you. And um, that's our show for today. We'll be back same time tomorrow. Now, if you want us to cover any stocks that you're interested in, just flick us an email with the suggestions for call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us uh, using the at ausbiz handle. Don't forget, if you want to catch up of everything that's happened in the uh, day in uh, business and finance, subscribe to the COB. Um, with Nadine and Scuddy, they will send uh, a wrap-up of the day in your inbox by 5.30 in the afternoon, Eastern Daylight Time. Subscribe at osbiz.co slash join. And if you're looking for your next investments, tune in, tune, um, unlisted investment, tune in to the Startup Daily Show. Every day, the team brings you companies seeking capital and all the latest in the startup industry. Uh, today, we're joined by Chris Philpot. Uh, as he launches Water Night, a new challenge aimed at getting Australians to be more mindful of water wastage. That's coming up on the Startup Daily Show between 2 and 3 p.m. So certainly a lot ahead of us here on Ausbiz. Don't forget our panel of economists coming up straight after the break, analysing, continuing our analysis of what's happened in last night's budget. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. <music>